Welcome to Finding My Yum, a sex-positive podcast celebrating all forms of sexual expression. Each week, we bring on a new guest to share their journey. We talk honestly and openly about what they're into and what sex, kinks, love, and more look like in the real world. I'm Jerry Courtney Austin. And I'm Will Lentz. <laughs> and we're your hosts. Today, we're joined by Cynthia Levin to talk all about um, sex in the comedy community, unconscious versus conscious living, and so much more. Uh, but before we get to that, what's up, Will? Not much. <laughs> How are you, Jerry? I'm good. Um, it's really interesting. A lot has been coming up lately. 2020, I feel like, has been a whirlwind of, I don't know, just learning in general about myself and... Um, it's just been crazy. I don't know if you've experienced that, but I feel like it's been a month and a half-ish, and I'm already, like, a year, I feel like, has gone by. <laughs> sure. I uh, I mean, I definitely get the, 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 the time constraint thing. Like, it felt, like, January felt so long. Yeah. Um, February February is moving a little bit quicker. That's I don't true. know that I've done a lot of, like, personal introspection, although I do, um, for whatever reason, I'm starting to find more space for, like, oh, I want to pick up some new hobbies, oh, that kind of stuff, which seems exciting. That is um, exciting. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what they are yet. I'm honestly kind of leaning into like dad hobbies. Like I'm like, I want to start working with some wood, nice. or like grilling stuff. Yeah. yeah. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, well, for me, I, I found like a big goal of mine has been to cultivate relationships, both platonic and romantic, that show up in a way um, that I haven't necessarily like expected or demanded before like in terms of respect and um respecting my boundaries and honest open communication um and the more that I meet people and interact with people um who show up like that the more I realize like how low my standards are or at least have been you know um and that's been a really interesting thing because I got a my relationships two years ago, which I've talked about quite a bit. And I thought I was healed and like perfect, you right. know, it's been two years. <laughs> it's been two years. Yeah. Like I, you know, and I feel like I've done a lot of work. And so to have these considerations, I keep coming up and to continue learning and realizing when I step into a place where I ask for these things and I don't put up with less mm -hmm. And then people rise to those. I'm continually surprised, but also like what it, it's been a delight. I have a question. Do you yeah. feel like the previous people that you surrounded yourself with, and I'm not, I'm not talking about relationships. I'm sure. talking about like the other people in your life. Yep. Um, do you feel like they were, would not have stepped up to those expectations? Or do you think that it just wasn't something that you were considering? And so because it wasn't something that was being talked about. You didn't notice it or. I think it's both. Uh -huh. I think I like, I feel like everybody comes into my life and everybody's life for a reason. And I think when you start a relationship, whatever type of relationship it is, if you establish a pattern where I'm falling into my old patterns too of like breaking my own boundaries or pushing other people's boundaries or not being communicative on my end and honest and open. And then they do the same thing because that's the norm. And then you decide to make a change and enforce boundaries and start to change relationship. I think that's difficult. 
and that creates like a rift. And so I think that that's a lot of what was happening is like mm-hmm. I was trauma bonding a lot with people sure. um, in all aspects, you know, and putting up with behavior of myself that they were putting up with too. And I was putting up with behavior from them that just sort of went into this um, cyclical um pattern that i was used to a thing that my um aunt sally used to say which i think she may oh, have gotten aunt from sally what a good that's a good aunt name yeah i think she <laughs> may I, to be fair i think she might have gotten this from uh, oprah dr phil cool. but which you know whatever yeah but God, they one it. of the one of the <laughs> things that they would say is uh you teach people how to treat you yeah and i think that that's kind of what you're like you know if you are like i'm gonna accept this really low behavior yeah. then that other person's gonna continue to do it sure. um but totally. if you demand more then and it also is interesting because when you do accept, you know, lower behavior or like disrespectful behavior or something that just doesn't respect your boundaries or what have you, it reinforces whatever narrative you're telling yourself. Of you course, know, like yeah. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve to be respected. Mm-hmm. My word isn't doesn't need to be honored. I don't have to respect my own boundaries, you know. And so I think I've been caught up in that cycle a lot. And it's not broken, but it definitely, the more that I talk to people who just are naturally not trying to push anything and like I'm vocalizing more what I need as well, right? Which is super important. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was putting vocabulary to it either. Um, well, that's awesome. I'm excited yeah, that you're, cool. you're getting there and you're noticing it. Yeah, yeah, I'm growing up. I'm almost 30. You would think that I would figure this shit out, right? <laughs> Good fucking Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a, it's a, everyone's journey is different. It's a journey. Um, well today I'm so excited that we have Cynthia Levin on. Um, I think I'm saying her name wrong. I think I fucked it up every single time. So yeah, I think it is Levin. I'm so sorry. I adore you, Cynthia. (laughs) Uh, she was my teacher for two years at Anthony Mindel Actor Workshop. She is continuing to do, um, her own classes outside. She teaches comedy. She's a brilliant stand up comic. So funny. She's so funny. She's got such a wonderful story and she's so enlightened um, just about like her journey and how uh, she's living and spreading this message of love and happiness and acceptance. So please enjoy. I'm feeling yummy head to toe. You see me. Ain't got no patience, so let's go. Welcome to Finding My Yum. Ooh. Uh, ooh. (laughs) That's like my Agreed. <laughs> I've just gotten used to it. Wow. <laughs> oh, great. We have something. Musical comedy. Good morning. Good morning. Um, we Nobody has ever reacted that way. <laughs> I know. You're my favorite guest Okay, so well, far. good. Good. Because we were both in the moment with that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cynthia Levin is here. Levin. 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 Damn it. I'm just going to say it. I'll say it for you. Levin. Can you say it? What's it's your just name? Levin, Cynthia Levin. <laughs> great. It's not a great name. Doesn't really matter. Levin. But that's the one. <laughs> oh, man. Everything about this beginning is going great. Um, <laughs> I adore you. I'm so excited that you're here. You're a stand up comedian, writer, actress, director, teacher extraordinaire. Taught me for two years at Anthony Mindel Actor Workshop. Is now doing your own class. Um, thanks for taking time to be here. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, yes. So difficult with all of my professions. <laughs> so busy. <laughs> oh, God. Um, what's your comic character? It is Lovin'. 
No. No. Well, I oh, the character I yeah, do. Not always, but just once in a yeah, while. Yeah, you mean? one character that you do. Linda Lovin. Linda Lovin. Yeah. There we go. So okay. I'm Lovin. She's Lovin. Levin. We're different that way. <laughs> That's right. She's not even Jewish. She's not? No. Nope. Nope. Is she any religion? No. She, no. Yeah. You know, I mean, she, no, she didn't practice. You know, she just like, she doesn't even know what her parents were. She didn't know practice. You know, sure. just. Yeah. She's just there. Yeah. Right. Fort Woody, Indiana is where she's from, which is a non-place <laughs> to be fair. But, uh. She's a waitress at the Waffle House, as well as many as she can work at. And um, <laughs> uh, but her favorite is off of Route 42, which I'm not sure is a real route either. <clears throat> I know I looked it up, but I can't remember now. But anyway, yeah. So that's that's her day. That's her job. and she calls that it's th- that's her business. Sure. She she says who's in the business, you know, and then people the are like, woo! But it, the, the, no, I mean the restaurant business, you idiots, you know. And then it's like, because that's her. She doesn't like this business. This business, although she's very talented and everybody wants her. She's you know she's a. Uh, I'm not even doing her voice correctly, but she's a lounge singer. <laughs> you know, she's you know. Yeah. Yeah. She's swanky. Yeah, but she doesn't. It's all get up. Doesn't sing that well, but you know who she's going to blame? The piano player, because it's always that idiot's fault. And she gets rid of them one by one, and that's how it works. There we I go. Love this. <laughs> and we're back. Okay. And we're back. Um, amazing. Well, okay. So I would like to go back to the beginning. Um, so I sort of want to just get a picture about like where you're from, um, and a little bit about your upbringing, and uh, specifically like how you conceptualize like sex and relationships and love um because i think you talk about it in such a funny way in your stand-up and it it's all encompassing in the work that you do and the message that you're spreading to 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 others about love and happiness and so um yeah let's just dive right into to start to where it all began where it all began greenleaf street chicago illinois (laughs) um i um well, I was actually born in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, so a little bit of Fort Woody comes out of that. Ooh. And um, I was born in the Army, and I was just there for a couple of years, uh, okay. which is where all horrible things happened, started, began there. You were there. born on a base? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I have five brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. All of them were, because then we moved to Chicago. So they were in Chicago before and after that. So I think that, and so so everybody had been born in Chicago except for me. I was born in the, in the uh, Army. Were you the youngest? I was the second youngest. I got a younger brother. Okay. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, so I lived in Chicago from the time I was two onwards and I love Chicago. Um, go back whenever I can. And, um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the growing up was, I, I, my whole, I'm writing a, sc- uh, screenplay and it, well, it's a TV show now. Um, but it's called unprepared for life an almost true story, except for the good parts. Those had to be made up. <laughs> so just so you know, that's where I come sure. from. Okay. Right, right. So that's, the that's, that's my, so, yeah. n- so completely unprepared for everything. Learned to swear at a very young age and used it to my, to my benefit my entire life. And uh, that's what I do for a living. Swear. Yeah. So uh, five brothers and sisters. Yeah. So there were six of you in six the house. Six kids, three boys and three girls. Yeah. Whoa. Mm-hmm. The Your Brady Bunch. did really well in yeah. terms of like in, symmetry. Yeah. Eight and a half years. Three, <laughs> six kids in eight and a half years. My mother just spat them out. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I don't think so they touch each other since, but uh, I'm sorry. And you're I'm Jewish, kidding. right? Which yeah, is I'm interesting because so. I'm... <laughs> which... Um, yeah, I don't know. You would think yeah. that that would, well. Although my mom comes from a family of five kids too. Well, I have six just, kids. Well, mine. Oh, but she, does she have six or five? <clears throat> five. Oh, okay. Well, like her brothers, this is yeah, yeah. only child, but right. Um, yeah. So then, what was? So I imagine with a, a family that big, like I don't even know how your parents could even like keep track of all your names and who you were. But um, they didn't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so so then, 
what where did you learn about like sex and relationships and partnership like were you close with your siblings no, no. so i uh i wasn't i was sort of like the i, I basically I, i'll explain it really quickly um uh, like this way, like in my script, I just basically I used to have a pan of the be- kids' bedrooms upstairs, the girls' rooms. I'll have like flowers and, you know, um, and I use their Dawn and Denise, um, you know, and my sisters with flowers, my brothers, you know, with footballs and, you know, and then my door just said 2F. Um, and it says <laughs> occupied uh, with a frowny face in the O. And so that's sort of like, I always felt like a border in my own house. Like oh. I didn't really... Like I wasn't part of the family. And so like they'd be taking off to go to bar mitzvahs or wherever, you know, all those fun things that Jews do on a Saturday. And I would be in my pajamas not knowing that anybody, we were going anywhere. We told you. Get down here. That's enough. Cynthia, get dressed. Let's go. Hurry up. Everybody's already in the car. Just, you know. And I'm just like, huh? You know, so I was really unconscious. So okay. if you want to bring like, what did I learn? Nothing. Do I know about, <laughs> I mean, really, I, I knew I knew nothing. Okay. I knew the sound of birds chirping. I understood what it was like to be outside alone as much as possible because that was like where I loved being, just like skipping down the streets, learning new swear words. I'm not kidding. I mean, like that's really how I, where my joy came from. Okay. And, um, and uh, yeah. And, and so in terms of sex, like we weren't, I was told nothing. I don't know what my parents told my brothers and sisters. My guess is not much either. But certainly, I, we never, ever, ever talked about anything ever. And I, I mean, just like anything ever. You know what I mean? At, at, at maybe in my early 30s, I was sat down, and my mother said to me, like, out of nowhere, Cynthia, when you were four years old, we tried to love you. But it didn't work, so we stopped trying. And I think my dad nodded. I'm not, I'm not sure. But anyway, but that was the end of that, you know. Oh, <laughs> so, so like, I just kind of, you know what I mean? You're like, all right. You know what I mean? Like, what do you do with that information? Right. But somebody was not taking responsibility. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So, um, and so, yeah. And so my life just sort of, it was just sort of me floating around, figuring it out, unprepared for everything, like everything. So I was never found, nobody said, hey, did you do your homework? How are you? Do you exist? No, like nothing. Just like, so it's just like a little floating thing around the world. Okay, so. That doesn't answer any questions. Well, you accomplished some things as you were growing up. Like you went to school, right? And you got through. So I cheated through school. (laughs) I cheated through all, all of it. I never took a test by myself until I was, uh, until I became a real estate agent for two years. I had to pass that test the second time I passed. Um, that was the only thing I've ever taken by myself in my whole life test. Really? Yeah. I cheated to get into college. I got on the dean's list for cheating so well. I went to U of I, Champaign. I even got on the dean's list. Can you imagine getting a letter? Huh? My parents went there. Oh, really? Right on. You look a little uh, Illinois to me. But anyway, yeah. Kentucky, so close. Close enough. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. But yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, I I ended up getting a letter like, you know, congratulations. You made the dean's list. I was in phys ed. But you know what I mean? But still... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I so those physiology questions are difficult and I cheated I was a good cheater because I was a good actress I always pretended like oh my god this is a tough gig man but I'm just gonna do it and I would you know cover my eye you know like my forehead and like look at the paper I always knew who to copy I mean I was a survivalist yeah and and so I I, I really was a survivor of all sorts and so I just I just knew how to do things without other people finding out basically you know nothing too creepy just that those things yeah yeah sure okay so then but did you have 
like friends or any kind of cultivate any kind of relationships outside of the family structure then that were grounding or rooting? Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't have any friends in the family, so it had to happen outside. (laughs) So, so yeah. So, um, yeah, totally. I had friends, um, you know, until they would always want to go home, you know, they'd always want to go home, which I hated because I never wanted to go home and then I would throw rocks at them and, you know. Up until they can get inside their door, which um, I was, I was a bully. I was a bully. I was like, I would chase people home. I would beat people. I was not. Like was, actually physically yeah. aggressive? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I was beaten at home. So sure. I was just, I was just acting out. I didn't even know. I wasn't, again, I really was unconscious. So everything was reactive. It was, yeah. Okay. So yeah. is there a moment in particular where you became conscious? Yeah. Yeah. So I started, uh, I moved here in 87 with the guy that was beating me, a bodybuilder, coke addict, steroid addict named Goldilocks, because he had long golden locks. He was so stunning. Isn't that sexy? Oh, what a turn on. Yeah. I mean, I touched his thigh and I thought, well, I guess this is love. I mean, it's really (laughs) how it began. That was pretty much it. He knew, he knew somebody that I knew. I was like, okay, well, I guess you're the one, you know I mean? It really was that easy, you know, because that's how dense, you know? (laughs) And so, um, we drove out to LA together, a place I didn't necessarily want to be, but my friend said, there's nobody out like you out here. And so I was like, oh, you know, which then so turned for, out to be okay, gross. Wait, did you, you know? have a, <laughs> did you have a predilection then to do art or create comedy? Of course. Okay. So, so since I was, uh, I wanted to act since I was four, yeah. like I wanted to be a movie star, four years old. I knew what I wanted to do. And then, um, and then I started, I found an acting class in the Yellow Pages, uh, <laughs> and, and I went to it. Yeah. Basically what I did. Yeah. And, um, and then I was like the oldest person. It turned out it was like for nine-year-olds. I was already 14. <laughs> I was twice the height and age of everybody <laughs> in the class. And we had to perform. We did a show, though. We did The Sound of Music, and I played all the adult characters. <laughs> Which was a lot of them. All, all of them. Yeah, and I had to read the lines because, of course, I didn't memorize them. And uh, and all the other ki- and then <laughs> yeah. So no, not all of them. Three of them. And sure. so yeah, <laughs> which is a lot for somebody uh-huh. who didn't learn any of the lines for any of them. But <laughs> and, the, and the play was in a room. It was just in a room that sure. was shaped like a like a triangle. <laughs> so I mean, it's like there was no room for all, just like the whole family. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> It was ridiculous. And then there was like, a, they put, they set up like, like maybe 10 or 12 chairs for audience. And I think two of them were filled and that was pretty much it. And that's, that was like, that's what I paid for. It was fantastic. Oh, I did that too. I did a, my mom got me into a group and like they had us have writing time where yeah. we would write and then they would use our writing to put up as plays for like the next. Oh, that's amazing. Whatever. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. But like they, we were paying to be there and then they would pay, like oh, they, they would get would, people you would do pay. all the work. <laughs> you would just like. I was like, "This is brilliant." I guess yeah. we're not going to look for any material for your kids. You're going to have to write it yourselves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Sue, uh, Sue, you'll direct. Yeah. Uh, Bobby, Cynthia, you'll play everybody who's <laughs> over twenty years old. Um, okay, so so you come out here with. Uh, yeah, and I studied at Second City. Yeah, I studied at Second City. Oh, and I studied okay. so at tons of theater companies in, uh, in Chicago. I basically studied at all of them. Okay, so then yeah. why didn't you want to come out here? You wanted to stay in Chicago and no, continue doing No, I knew comedy? I needed to go somewhere. I didn't know anything. Meaning, uh, it was never like a dream of mine, but it was okay. Goldilocks's dream to come out here and exercise on Venice Beach in front of people. 
He liked to, <laughs> wanted to move his muscles outdoors where people could see him, I guess. Seriously, that was his dream. I'm not shitting you. I believe yeah. it. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So we moved out here because of those two things. He wanted to do it. And my friend Rusty said, well, there's nobody out here like you, which again turned out to be like true and awful. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and from my experience, you know, yeah. at the time. Sure. And so then, yeah. And so then I moved out here and yeah. So, and then I was waitressing and got fired for eating too many pickle spears in the back. I mean, it was a really busy time. I almost yeah. got fired for it. I got, because I would eat the food too. And then they got <laughs> mad at me for being hungry. Yeah. And I was like, I can't, you're, I'm not making enough money to afford oh, wow. food. So yeah. like, what are you? Yeah. But then this other woman who had a baby, they would like, which fine. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. She needs to be <laughs> supported. Right. But I was like. I was like, you're all of your employees are suffering. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's starving. Everybody's starving. Right. So. Right. Um, yeah, I used to get in trouble for that all the time. <laughs> you left Goldilocks. I did. Um, yeah. Can, he can finally I ask how you had sex for the first time. When? W- when? Yeah. How old? I was. It was gross. Um, you know, um, it was 14. Uh, no, oh, I was. I was 14 or I was a freshman in high school. Okay, I think. so you were you were interested in like you were having like sexual relationships with people in high school. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So that was something that was still occurring, even though like you were moving not unconsciously. That was sort of an unconscious totally part unconscious. Of it. Totally. Yeah. Like I would be attracted to somebody. That would be it. Like done. Just like you know, like. So yeah, and I actually got some, you know, some of the best looking dudes. I'm not gonna lie about it. Yeah, and so, but but sex for me, and and, and for a couple of them, it was fantastic. It yeah. was like it re- because I felt like they were probably safe people, and I was sexually attracted to them. And then there's people you feel intimidated by, so then you kind of shut down. Like you don't. Is it? It's like the sex is. It's it's. You know, you, you're not a whole human being having the experience. Sure. Like, it's good, right. but like it's monitoring not. monitoring and watching all of it. Or, uh, yeah, or just, I mean, you know, you're fulfilling your role as a, you know, I mean, it's yeah. like you like it, but I don't know. I, I, I had a boyfriend who was, like, really gorgeous and stuff like that, but I but I, I still felt like a child under the side. Like, you know what I mean? I didn't feel like I was up to, you know, I don't want to say snuff, because that's not a good time to talk about snuffing, but but par, up to par. <laughs> sure. I was going to say snuff, too. <laughs> Anyway, it's so complicated. But anyway, but but yeah, so I was really unconscious. I, I was I I had like abuse right. childhood stuff. Right. So so I that's caused the unconsciousness and yeah. it caused me to just sort of like really just like like I say, just survive and just do whatever I felt like doing. And, you know, but I didn't know it. Like, I didn't know there was anything wrong with me. I was just like. Sure. I, I mean, I, I experienced unconsciousness, especially around sex and sexuality in college, for sure. Um, I guess I'm curious, though. Um, ooh, I lost my train of thought. I, the unconscious ability about it, like, you were still interacting. Oh, this is what I want to say. The, did you have an idea? So, like, in my head, I grew up with rom-coms, and I grew up with um, a parental figure who really prided this almost, like, Disney virgin-esque type mm-hmm. of relationship where it's supposed to be you're supposed mm-hmm. to meet the one yes i absolutely believed in that you massively okay 100 percent. like like my at 15 i fell in love with this guy mark schmid who was like you know the non-jew i wasn't supposed to be dating because yeah. i wasn't allowed to okay. date anybody that wasn't jewish really? yeah Ooh! <laughs> Cheers! <laughs> Time is <laughs> cocktails <mine. laughs> um yeah so yeah so he was uh and and so uh 
he was like, and so he was like my prince in shining armor. He had blonde hair, or I like to call it yellow. He had yellow hair yeah. and green eyes, and he was like six six, yeah. and you know he, you know, hairless. Like the dude was like on fire. He still is, and he's a fireman, so it makes all sense in the world now. <laughs> but anyway, so, but like, yeah, and so he would, you know, we were in love. Like it was beautiful, and it was it was really innocent. Like it was a really innocent time yeah and he we never had a bad experience together but you know I don't think that I was really um uh what there's a word for this about my personality I wasn't um pushing my personality what's I'm not sure what the word is I'm trying to say but I wasn't um I was I wasn't you weren't active uh, yeah my like person very yeah. pa- passive I was I was I was sort of like I was definitely an observer. I didn't necessarily, because I was like the only Jew. They called me the, the Jewish girl from the other side of Western, that uh-huh. him and all his friends who I hung out with all the time, because yeah. they were all Irish and German. Okay. <laughs> and I was the Jew from the other side of Western, and I was so excited to be with all of them. And they were funny, and they were great socially, which is, on the other side of Western, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that laugh before. That's my favorite laugh. <laughs> That's right. That's my laugh. Yeah, when it's just, when I when I surprise myself, I laugh like that. It's horrible. So anyway, um, <laughs> but um, yeah. So but yeah, I love romance, and I still do. And I like I don't think there's enough romantic comedies out there to full, you know there are just so few of them, and I think they're the best because they're they're escape, they're light, they're fun, they're hopeful, and and I think. Um, yeah, I just feel like we need so much, so many more of them. Nobody's making them now. And that's why I wanted to make my movie because I wanted to be a romantic comedy. Yeah. But by the time I had the confidence to finally really put it out there, because I had put it out there and then I took it back, my yeah. script already. Like this is a long time ago. It was already 10 years ago now. Um, more than that, 13 years ago. So now it's the, the TV series because I have too much life. Do you know what I mean? So right. I've had to, I couldn't fit it all into a movie. And and so um, anyway, so, so but... Uh, otherwise, I would have loved to have just created a romantic comedy. Yeah. So tell me about when you became conscious then, or what was that? So shift? I started. Um, so I had lived here for a year, get thrown around by that dude. Um, finally left him. Uh, I was scared. You know, moved like had to move out of my apartment, so he couldn't find me. Moved to New York shortly thereafter because I was in the sickening apartment, and somebody said, "Hey, you can swap apartments with this guy." I know, so I moved to New York. Um, some acting teacher there with like one eye named Fred Foster, you know, it was like, he was, it was an on-camera acting class. It was ridiculous. He had us talking to a piece of tape on a chair. That was our performance. Like, you know, anyway. So, um, but he had like only one, he had one glass eye and the other eye, the good eye went behind the camera. So we used to make faces. Anyway, the thing is, is that he said to me, you know, he said, he goes, you, um, you, uh, you're, you're, you're funny. He also had a lisp. And he goes, you, you, Cynthia, you're funny. Why don't you go up there and start talking, you know, whatever. You know, and so he wanted me to talk about, like, girl stuff. Like, he goes, he wanted me to do some comedy. I'd never done it before. Anyway, so started to shift when I started to get in touch with the fact that I had something to offer. I never knew I had anything to offer. I think deep inside I knew I had this dream of being a movie star, but I never experienced it. Yeah. So... When I did, like, that sort of woke me up. And so when I did that, I was making fun of him. I'm like, what, do you want me to talk about, like, pads? And he's like, yeah, that's right. That's what girls talk about. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know. So I did. And people, of course, actors, I don't know if you know, most of them are not that funny. So I'm sorry to say that. I teach actors. But anyway, but they're, you know what I mean? They're like, 
they were horrified because then I told a story about a finger rubber getting stuck up inside me, but I didn't know it. And uh, I'd never been up there before and I had to search for it. I couldn't tell the difference between me and the rubber. Anyway, I know this is going <laughs> off course, but no, I've lost point the is, tampon is that, up there. It's terrible. Yeah, it's, you don't yeah. realize it until it starts to stink and you're like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's horrifying. You're like, oh, I haven't been having yeah. sex in a while. Yeah. So that's why. Oh, God. Yep. Anyway, you. All right. So anyway, but yeah, I finally got it out, but the guy was still passed out. So he didn't know I was looking for it and he didn't. I wanted to celebrate with somebody, but he didn't know what I was going to celebrate because he had nothing, you know. So it was a really one of those nights. But anyway, that sort of began a little bit of a wake up of consciousness. And then I moved back to L.A., you know, a place that I hated uh, because I heard a voice from God saying move back to L.A. because it was like divine intervention, not shitting you. And so then I moved back here. I started therapy. I started taking acting classes. I started stand up. It all happened within about a year and that and the same year. And I think I was 22 going on 23 or 23 years old, 23. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's when it all started. Yeah. And then I started to have memories and like, like things started to, cause I'd never really cried through my life. Sure. <laughs> totally shut down. Me and then, too. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then, and then in therapy, I couldn't stop crying. And she's like, uh, you can talk if you want. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> you know, so like for weeks, cause I didn't want to say what it was in my head. Oh, so sure. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. that's scary. And then it becomes real. Yeah. And that's Somehow very difficult. Stressed and up scary. in your head. It's not. I don't know if you say it out loud. Yeah. And other people witness it. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah. 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 True. Okay. So this evolution into consciousness and even getting into the comedy Mm -hmm. sphere. So I'd love to talk about then the experience within the comedy world, because as we're seeing, the world is changing dramatically. And I do think the my limited experience within the comedy world, specifically stand up was so misogynistic, was so oppressive. Mm-hmm. Um, what years were these when you were doing uh, It was 2012-ish, uh, probably more 2013 mm-hmm. was yeah. like really the year that I tried it for mm-hmm. six months-ish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, and where did you go? I went, I did a bunch of bringer shows. So uh-huh. I did like flappers, then uh-huh. I went to the comedy store and then I got involved with this guy, um, Matt, who was doing he had like a comedy class and then he had like this own show that he was doing Mm -hmm. and he was into drugs and was like super kind of crazy Uh and his energy like I ended up getting in a car accident on the way because it was like so frenetic frenetic. and crazy and Mm -hmm. I like couldn't handle it. I was like, this is insane. Like I don't. And then I remember specifically this woman who I adore who's doing really well, um, Whitney Rice, but I met her this night at the comedy store Mm -hmm. and we were going up and I had brought like several people and I got pushed an hour because all these dudes just kept coming in who knew people and knew people and like had somewhat of a following, whatever. Right. And And you had the crowd there. So if you had already gone up, your friends would have left. And so they just kept it. So they just keep it. Mm -hmm. And it's terrible. I mean, and people are spending a fortune to come and see you because there's a cover and then there's a two drunk drink minimum. So two drunk minimum. Two drunk. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, so that was my experience. And I was like, this is terrible. I don't like this enough to stay here and to push through this. It's a lot. It's It's a a big barrier. It's a lot. I think for me, I started in 1989. Okay. Okay. So I've been doing it 31 years now. Is this in LA or this you're talking about? Okay. Totally LA. Yeah. Because I moved here originally in 87. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, 88 in New York, 89 back here. And that's yeah. when everything started to shift. The, the therapy, the acting class, the, you know, the Meisner class, and then the stand-up. 
Um, and uh, so, yeah, I took a class and started doing that. And so you were talking about basically um, the, the misogyny. And so I got really lucky. Okay, because it's, you know, certain time. like, I think, um, because first of all, I took a class yeah. um, uh, with Judy Carter, and she was, she was just like, uh, you know, you're a natural, you know, whatever, and I was just like, oh, thank God, you know, and, because um, I was just talking about my shitty life, and, you know, whatever, and, and, but I felt like I found my soul, yeah. and that sort of stand-up has sort of saved me in my life, for sure, it's, it's saved me, for sure, and so, when, um, so then there was a bunch of, there was a group of us and we were doing all these open mics and coffee houses and safe stuff. And you know what I mean? So I, 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 I mean, I was, I got involved in the comedy store pretty early too. And yeah. I think I was already started to perform up in the belly room in 1990. Oh, cool. I was doing, I was a new face at the improv in 92. Oh, amazing. And then I became a regular at the comedy store in 94. Got it. And so, um, but in terms of, it's a very masculine, uh, you know, profession. Uh, people don't like women being funny. If you're going to be funny, you better be ugly, you know? Totally. Yeah. yeah. And you, if you're not ugly, you better be, you better have something wrong with you. Whatever it is, you just got to have something wrong with you because people don't like to feel threatened, right? And stand, and, and somebody who thinks they're funny that can goes up in front of people to make them laugh is already immediately like, oh, it's a threatening thing. Yeah. Right? So, so, um, and so, uh, because I was still mildly unconscious, okay, in yeah. the sense of like, I was just doing my thing. You know, Mitzi Shore was, you know, the club owner and she was really at the comedy store and she, she picked me, she loved me, she was kind to me, she gave me, you know, five spots a week and wow. I was working there for years and I didn't, I was just doing it. And yes, it was scary. And yes, it was difficult. It was very difficult. And I mean, but it got, it was not nearly as difficult as I think when I got more conscious. Sure. As it became yeah. like, because then I started to find out like the guys were really not nice. And uh, the majority of them, there's a lot of darkness there. Yeah. Um, yes. And drugs and alcohol. Um, and, um, a lot of desperation and um, self hatred and uh, and definite misogyny. So right. it's not an easy. Yeah. Like, uh, mm -hmm. Sorry. Yeah, just it's, to, okay. it's like uh, comedians. Almost some people who decide to approach it this way is like it is. They're purposely like pulling at that black hole and yeah. keeping it a black hole yeah. because they think it's their source material. Right. Well, this is yes. Um, the thing is, is that it comes from insecurity, right? Sure. So we're, um, and yeah, and self-hatred. So if like, if you don't take care of yourself, right? Because it doesn't mean you're not funny or talented, but it's like, you got to also love yourself. Because when you love yourself, the audience can love you. Yeah. When you don't love yourself, it's harder for the audience to love you. They might have to like you in spite of you because of your, because of your humor, your, you know, your good writing or your ability to shock. Right. So they right. might even be scared into liking you. There's all sorts of, sure. you know, ways of doing it. Um, but, um, and, and, and it's a self-protective mechanism so that we all get defensive, right? Immediately, we've got to say whatever we think you're thinking, right? If you, we hate ourselves, we think everybody else hates us. So now we've got to defend ourselves. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's really, that's sort of like the source of a comic in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so that's where the Jewish humor comes from. You know, you hate me, I'll hate me first. That way we're all on the same page. You know right. what I mean? Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so, but there's healthy ways of doing comedy without hating yourself. You can be vulnerable. That's, that's always great, right? Telling the truth of you, like yeah. sharing it, but then people can connect and relate. Anyway, I'm going off on a whole other tangent. Sorry. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah but anyway, applies. yeah. So for you specifically, while you got further into this, this world, it seems like you had a protective barrier of these women who were really wonderful and caretaking while at the same time there was other what women like mitzi shore oh, you were oh. saying and then like the, whatever one group. Woman. well Just i thought there woman. were women who came from the the initial class that you judy no no um, no oh, there okay. was almost actually all guys there was one girl she stopped doing oh, it she was okay. hilarious yeah but i mean yeah um yeah no not necessarily it was just it was like I think I really feel like I was being protected because it was something I needed. And I ended up finding a great group of people, guys mostly, but a few girls that we hung out with and we did, we all did tons and tons. I mean, we would do three shows a night for 10 years solid. Wow. Easy. Like you just go from one to the next, to the next, to the next. It was your life. It was fun. And, um, it fulfilled me. It, you know, it filled me up and otherwise all day, you know, if it wasn't for stand up, I'd cry day and night. So (laughs) I'm talking about, (laughs) so there's that. Yeah. Yeah. I would cry all day and I would perform stand up at night. That was my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then getting out of that transition into more consciousness, you were saying was more difficult or it just opened your eyes to a little bit more of what was happening around you? Um, I think when you start to try to, well, there's a lot of like, unfortunately the comedy store was a big part of my career. And you know, I say unfortunately because it's a, it's, it is a black hole and there's, there's a, and it sucks you in and it's like you live and die by it. Like, do I get a spot this week? I didn't get a spot this week. I matter. I don't matter. I'm worthwhile. I'm not worthwhile. And, um, and your self-worth gets caught up in, in that whole atmosphere. And so it is very male and is very dark and it's not, it's not a good environment. So if you're trying to do that and you're trying to keep your, you have to keep your walls up and your defenses up and to a certain degree or, you know, stay tough, stay tough, stay tough, you know, without even knowing it that you're not doing it, you're just living, you're just surviving. Yeah. Um, you're not really getting in touch with all of you and everything that you're capable of and the rest of the fucking world. Right. There's so much world out there. Yeah. There's so much to explore. There's so much more that all of us can do. I mean, the, the meaning like what you're meant to do. But if you get caught up in one thing, you become addicted to it, whatever it is. Yeah. Because your worth is caught up in it, you know, whatever. Then um, you, it takes you a while. You have to kind of, you have to get out of that. And so I'm safely out of that. And so I think that I'm less involved in the whole, the masculinity of the whole, you know, the whole, but, but at the same time, like I was just listening to yesterday, I was listening to NPR and, um, you know, that, uh, that morning show with the, um, you know, wait, 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 don't tell me. Oh yeah. So I love that. And so there's a girl on there. It was one of the uh, comics on there or whatever. Yeah. She's a comic. And then like a couple of guys. And she said something, and then one of the male comics jumped on her, like made a, made fun of her. And I it hit me that I hadn't heard that in a while, that uh, particularly on that show, right? Because, but in my day, it hit me that, and I say my day that that would have been the norm. Sure, you would have been. You're just you're just a girl. You're a female, and you're trying to be heard, and you're trying to matter, and you're trying not look, look trying to you know trying to. <clears throat> 
you know, be funny and you're trying to be respected and you're trying to, trying to be in with one of the guys. I mean, that is the normal, at least for me, that was the yeah. normal feeling. And it's so, it's, and when I was, so when I heard that yesterday, it was like really struck me of how I hadn't thought about that in a while and how prevalent that was and how much, um, and that, so that it is changing just the fact that I was able to like notice it. That men were trying, were jumping on what you were saying or taking over time or absolutely yeah. oh god i mean you just didn't matter right and if you got a peep in or a sentence in that was a win you know yeah. i've done those shows with all guys and right. me you know and i always thought it's always because of me and my lack and it is i lacked confidence i lacked mattering i lacked self-worth you know um, they're not funnier than me. They're not smarter. Well, maybe they're smarter, but John McGinney, but you know what I'm saying? But like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, but it's like, it's, so it all comes down to like your self-worth and, um, and it, yes, and it's harder for women. I think that we are born into, you are, um, uh, listen, you're going, you're not, you are, you're less than, and it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's an organic step into the world. And so, um, can I talk about something else real quickly of about course. this? So it's connected to. So I was watching um, the Harvey Wein. There was a, a Harvey Weinstein thing, and this they were doing. This is a documentary, and I'm not sure when it was done, but it was done on Sky News and um, in the UK. And um, one of the women that they uh, they that were, they were interviewing was a woman that went into his office because uh, she had some kind of social media thing that she wanted to help with in his company. You know, like a, some kind of internet thing. So she brings in her laptop and she opens the laptop up and she, and she, she actually is filming the whole thing. And he comes into the office, right. And not knowing this, so that she's filming right now because she's got her laptop up, the camera's on. He walks in the door. He goes, don't disturb us. Like in this like really creepy voice, he closes the door behind him and locks it. And then he grabs her and he holds her and he, he hugs her and starts rubbing his hands up and down her back. Like oh. they'd, like, like they'd, they'd been lovers for years. Yeah. Meanwhile, he'd only met her once briefly. He was already all over her, assuming that she was his. As she said later, though, that his people were sort of enabling and sort of bringing him women to eat, basically. Yeah, of course. Right? Feeding him. Yeah. Feeding the monster. That's sort of the yeah. idea of Bonshell, too. Yes. It, yeah. yeah. So amazing. So, so, but the reason I bring this up is because the girl, the woman, she was so gorgeous. I mean, fucking stunning, something in her 20s, you know, or like maybe 27 years old, I think she was. And she was flirtatious with him. And and she was watching it with, you know, watching that scene with the interviewer and saying it's really hard for me to watch this and, you know, whatever. And, you know, and, and the interviewer says, you know, you were being flirtatious with him. And she's like, yeah, I, I was, but it was, it's almost like, so it's like, it's a survival mechanism that women it's use. Trauma it's a trauma response. It's a what? Trauma, trauma. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about it in the first consent episode we did. Fawn is one that we don't acknowledge as a trauma response. Fawn? Fawn. What does um, that mean? So it means that uh, you could fawn on somebody. Yeah. You could like flirt with them uh -huh. or like, like basically cower in a uh -huh. way of like, um, 
submissive. Submissive, yeah, yeah. exactly. So she, you basically you freeze up and yeah. you uh, be, you sort of you only function in the way that you think that is going to please them exactly. because you're in fear yeah. and you don't even know you're in fear. But when you're around somebody with that kind of a power energy, you immediately you it's a survival mechanism that you you tap used to step into that. And so what made it look like, and it was just such a clear opportunity for me to see this though. What made it look like she was flirting and that she wanted it and she was you know like or whatever it is it's not that she was literally you know less than half his age and just trying to survive and wanting to move forward and get through this because she really wanted to be respected in what she was doing she came there for a reason you know not she's not an actress and even that is a a good you know that's somebody's a, a clean desire yeah it doesn't need to be something that is dirty and you know and you know whatever yeah so anyway, it was a, so that's why I say that from a very young age, we are sort of already groomed for this life. And so of trying to please and trying to, especially if you've been abused then on top of it. So it's an upward climb. It's an upward battle. And, but the thing is, is that if you can acknowledge that this is the reality, that it's not that you, you haven't done anything wrong. And that it's that it's not something for you to work through, figure it out. But if you can acknowledge that this is the truth of it, the you know the real atmosphere that you're in, that's the truth of it. And now, how can I love myself through this? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And be kind to yourself as opposed to um, keep reabusing yourself because yeah, you're a fucking this and you're a fucking that, and what the fuck's wrong with you? And you're such a, you know you're you know deal with your shit and you're so weak and you're so dumb, you know whatever it is. Does right. that make any sense? Anyway, yeah, 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 the little ticker in your yeah. Head. Anyway, am I blabbering? Go no, ahead. you're yeah. going great. Yeah, no, I um, so I don't know if this will resonate at all, but um, the way that you talk in a lot of your stand up <laughs> and also uh, just some of the things that you've said. Do you resonate more with a like the masculine sort of energy uh, as opposed to the feminine? I think I do, but I have been lately getting. I've I've noticed that I've I've been you know I've been acknowledging that those are the things that have kept me in like single for a while yeah. now, um, and it's because I it's a protective mechanism. And so we all put walls up to protect ourselves. And I realized that I noticed myself doing it, right? I started to pay attention to when I get tough. Like, cause like how my persona on stage is not always, but you know, and so you kind of, and so that's probably not so much like intimidating, but like, it's sort of like, doesn't like op- make room for somebody to be like, Oh, Hey, this is an approachable person. Sure. Do you see? Yeah. It doesn't mean we don't like you. It just means, I don't know if this is an approachable person. Does this, you know what I mean? Is it easy well, to walk into this you door? You can't get into somebody's humanity. Like when it is just a facade and you're like, well, I don't even, I can't. Yeah, totally. With you Cause right. you're a thing. You're right. not like a person. Right. Yeah. But I think I'm definitely more of a person and I feel yeah, like, and I have been stepping into my vulnerability more and more and more. And I think, um, I mean, cause I am a vulnerable person for yeah. sure. And yeah. I think I'm a truthful person and I don't, I don't, I don't keep up a, a persona or anything like that, but it's like a matter of, um, you know, uh, going, you know, is this what you really want in terms of relationship or whatever? Yeah. And, and then making yourself, um, you know, acknowledging if you're not feeling safe, feels, you know what I mean? Like, like 
you know, like just, just paying attention to how you respond and what you're putting out there. I don't know if I'm saying what I'm saying, but yeah, anyway. Well, so I, I was bringing that up because I was just curious about like when you came to L.A. and you started to become more conscious, mm-hmm. your relationships, when... Because I think I led with the masculine sort of mm-hmm. part of me as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And this facade of, and I think what resonates with the masculine side is like, I can't, you can't hurt me. Like yeah. I'm totally impenetrable. Um, even though I was like a tiny little girl that just wanted to be like held and hugged. And, sure. You know, and yeah. so I did a lot of things yeah. looking for that. Yeah in very bad places where like that wasn't going to be the result because I couldn't communicate my need. And also they weren't going to give it to me. Like I wasn't in a place where like they could receive. Right. And you were picking people that were unattainable or tough or whatever it is. We always go for the familiar, right? And it's because we have to prove to ourselves that we can get this person. Finally, this energy, I'm going to, you know, be able to get this type of person to like me yeah. and if I do that then I'm the winner then you know yeah yeah which I'm still struggling with but with your sexual journey mm-hmm. in particular mm-hmm. um what a funny sentence that is keep going is it yeah to me it is anyway yeah well because um you know uh, whatever you'd like to share but but uh, but I think there is also a perception that you've spoken about about like how other people perceived you and mm-hmm. whether like like in terms of sexuality and and preference and stuff like that, like whether you need to fit the mold of what other people are putting on to you because of this energy or like authentically living and experiencing it. So I was just curious about that sort of trajectory. Um, I feel like you're not saying something. I don't (laughs) know what it is, but um, I'm not, I'm not sure what you mean, but like, Sexual, I'm, I'm missing something. There's a sentence you need to ask. What is it? Well, so I particularly yeah. want to talk about exploring like with women and men. Oh, okay. In see, there it is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you see. But I didn't want to yeah. say it if you That's don't okay. want to. No, I don't care. <laughs> so I basically went from one guy that got, they just got more and more feminine as it went along. Like yeah. they went from like flip flops to blouses. You know what I mean? And then, and then I was just like, <laughs> and the next thing was a woman. Do you know what I mean? And um, it just happened to be like a comic and we had this like, you know, we laughed and all that kind of stuff. And then I went, oh my God. Again, I touched her leg and I was like, oh, I guess this is love. I mean, it was just, that's how it happens for me, I guess. And so we went to an Indigo Girls concert. That's where that leg touch happened. And then I was like, well, I guess I'm a lesbo. And then I'm like, oh my God, now I'm going to have to wear bolo ties and have a, you know, a mullet. And it's because everybody at the time had those, everybody. We were, I was like, oh my God, is that what I'm going to have to do? <laughs> so it was a very nerve wracking moment. But anyway, um, and so for briefly, I did, I was in a relationship with her for just like three months and... Which is um, a long time. Which is, it is a long time. <laughs> and, you know, and, 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 um, and, and I wasn't like, I was like, I'm just curious. It wasn't, it was not about being curious. I wasn't curious about it. I never was curious about it. I think I've always been attracted to masculinity in general. Oh, okay. So I just like masculine and she had a masculine energy and, um, you weren't curious. What does that mean? Meaning about being uh, about, Oh, I'm curious about being a lesbian. Like people say, you know, you're bi or bi curious. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. Curious for me. I'm just saying from my yeah, perspective, yeah. curious was never, I wasn't curious. I didn't give a shit. I didn't want to like, I wasn't interested in licking anything. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying okay. it was about the person. I was okay. like drawn to a person. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, and so, and then I thought, Oh geez, I guess I'm a lesbo, you know, whatever. And that's okay. But it was like, it really went, I was just accepting that. I was like, okay, well then that's what I am. And then, 
And I was like, well, as I said, I added it all up. I'm like, they just got more and more feminine as they went along. So, you know what I mean? I was like sure. doing, we go camping and I do everything. So I was like, I guess I am the dude, you know? So, um, until I was with her and then I was the chick, you know, which was not as much fun. Um, and, <laughs> and, um, but, uh, yeah, but then I realized sexually that I wasn't interested in the sex part. Yeah. And so, you know, like kissing or having fun with somebody and really connecting in a humor way was a right. fucking blast. And maybe there was a level of safety too and fun and, you sure. know, and it was discovery and all that kind of stuff. But then when it came to the actual, like, uh, the intimacy part, it, it was not for me. Yeah. And so I knew that I was like, oh yeah, that's not me. And then I saw, um, Paul Rudd and Clueless and I was sick and well, she, she did something really horrible and I was like really upset and, um, watch Clueless one night on my floor. Cause that's where I lived on the floor of my apartment. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and I went, Oh my God, that's what I want. I want a guy. I want to get married to a guy, you know, like that's like really, you know, like an idiot. And, um, I mean, I was, I think, I don't remember how old I was, but I was probably 30, maybe, maybe a little 32, 33. I have no idea. I don't remember. Do you, so does, do you like labels? Then do labels help explain? Um, like what? Well, because I, so the first time I had an interaction with a woman, I like, I was like, I don't want to put on the label of bi or like, I didn't feel, I was like, oh, it doesn't have to change or make, you know, but, but the story you just described, yeah. like you ascribe the label yes, like exactly. immediately. It's yeah. like, oh, it's explained. I guess I'm a lesbian. I do. I, I do yeah. like to explain. I do love to figure things out. Yeah. I, I think I'm more of a detective than I am anything, okay. you know? <laughs> and, um, and so, but I did, I think at the time, and I think today, if it's would have happened to me today, maybe I would have understood it more about being more fluid. But my explanation to myself for this was, is that it was always about the person Yeah. that a person has a certain energy that you're drawn to. And it's not necessarily their, you know, uh, their genitals. Yeah. But then if that becomes part of the relationship, if you want a whole relationship, a whole sexual and everything, then, and you want to not be, you know, uh, you want to be able to give this person everything that they want as well, then you need to make a decision in a sense, right. you know? So for me, I realized that, it, that because I really wasn't, I have not, and I did try a couple other chicks after that. Um, one was super feminine and it freaked me out like because she liked me she was adorable like a singer and like anyway we were like camping I was camping with a bunch of lesbians and they all like uh, they all went, ended up going in the house because of bugs and me the, the straight girl was the only one left outside <laughs> in the tent not afraid of anything you know hilarious anyway true story there was like 40 of them and then me I was the only one outside with this girl in the tent and uh, and uh, we kind of had a little thing but I was like I felt like I was um being um uh, what's the word I, I, well like you know like um i i felt like oh predatory uh, yes oh yeah yes i felt like the predator yeah and i thought oh god you know cuz i'm older than her and she's more feminine than me and i was like oh this is gr horrible f gross feeling yeah. i felt really dirty and i felt really bad and i that was the last time and, uh, and one other tick was an, another female. It was bef just before before that, and she was really masculine. She even like she she pushed her boobs down, yeah. and she put like a fake thing, like as a oh. for a penis. Um, and then 
and but I think it was just like almost like a penis statue, and she put it in her pants. I thought that she thinks she thought that was enough, but it moved around to stuff because it was attached to nothing. Oh. Anyway, it's going to be fine. But anyway, um, <laughs> we were we were high. Anyway, so um, it was anyway. So it was up, you know, upstate New York. Things happened there. <laughs> but anyway, so but I remember that was it was ridiculous. And so again, I love the masculinity, but I thought that's ridiculous. Like if I want a, a penis, do you know what I mean? I yeah. think I'll go for a penis. Do you know what I mean? Like this is a little silly. You should get rid of that statue, miss. Sure. You know, like... <laughs> it, it made her happy. <laughs> um, so th- as far as now, yeah. coming to like this day, yeah. how do you feel? Do you feel in terms of consciousness, in terms of like yeah. what you want, in terms of career and yeah. relationship-wise? Yeah. yeah, so today I'm... I've, Definitely, I've been conscious for a long time now, and yeah. I've been I've been quite oh, like it used to be too conscious. You know what I mean? I was like because right. I was always so much more fun when you're unconscious. You're like ah, ha, ha, life is good, and then you get conscious, you go life is sickening. You know, yeah. and now I'm happy. So there's a difference. So how do you? And so I learned how to be happy, which is to do things that you want to do. Yeah, think about things that you want to think about. I know, right? It's one of your best teachings. And 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 you'd always say that in class, like if you don't want to think about, just don't think about it. Yeah, it's like what? Yeah, I know. Because I we don't always, have to marinate on this horrible idea that makes right. me want to crawl out of my skin. That's, that's right. Crazy. Yeah, because I think we always think we have to suffer through everything, but we really don't. Yeah. And and really, the way we get things in this in our life and get closer to who we are and what we want is literally by listening to ourselves and being and like going, how does this feel? If it doesn't feel good. You don't need to do it because when you, when you don't feel good, it means you're coming, getting away from who you are and what you, and you're the truth of you. So, and when you feel good, that's when you know you're sort of on point with yourself and you're in alignment and then you can actually, and you're listening to your inner being and the universe is connected to you and you can, you know, ask for what you want. And again, and w- the only time we do things that we want to do is when we're happy. We only, yeah. we do things we don't want to do when we're miserable and we just keep adding on and adding on that. So that changed my life. I only learned about it less than two years ago after a sickening 50 some years before that of being sickening. Do you know what I mean? Of just like <laughs> thinking I have got to be miserable. And so I'm, I'm happy. I've, I'm definitely conscious, but I'm conscious and happy, which is a, an unusual combination. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, because I know it's possible and, um, and the more I keep listening to me, the more fun I get to have, the more I'm doing my life and I'm, and, trusting myself and again it's and and then you know you have to deal with your childhood shit you absolutely do i've uncovered some more stuff doing this emdr stuff oh work, yeah, yeah yeah uh through taylor yeah, yeah yeah and um and uh her therapist and it's um it's beautiful and it's fast and it's like you recover and then you move forward and you're like oh my god I never felt this way before i didn't know i was i, I never felt worthy before i i mean yeah. never yeah. So, and you have to feel worthy. You have to. Otherwise, that you're gonna, it's taken me all these years to write the script. Yeah. It's because I didn't feel like worthy. I didn't feel like, the, you know, that voice. Who the fuck do you think you are? Right. Which is the right. ego. Yeah. Which is a pain. It's a dick. Your ego's a dick yeah. in a bad way. Carl. Not, a good, not a good dick. Carl, my ego. That's right. Um, well, <laughs> I absolutely adore you. How can people find you? You're doing your own class now. How yeah. can people find you? Well, so a few things let me throw out there. Please. Real quickly. So I'm, I'm going to be producing a show at The Mint on March 23rd. And Fortune Feimster's on it. And Brian Holtzman from the Comedy Store. Um, Jan Karam, Tonight Show, like 
um, tons of people. Roz Brown from um, Baskets. Um, oh, cool. Like there's a bunch of people on it. Uh, Heather Lawless. It's an, I'm doing it with Adam Barnhart, who is a brilliant comic, and he, we're co-producing it. Um, and uh, so I'm doing that show on the March 23rd, and then I've got my student stand-up student showcase oh, cool. at the Hotel Cafe a week from Wednesday. Nice. And that, what's the date of that? And that's the 19th of cool. February. And the other, yeah. And um, so, and in terms of my classes, I've got a stand-up class starting um, on I think uh, Wednesday, the 5th of March. I think it's the 5th, the first Wednesday, of March. And then acting classes, I'm starting also in March. So I'm um, just I'm going to be teaching one or two. So I, I, I left the studio so I can focus on my career, and yeah. of course uh, I also have to make money. And so, but but I miss it. I miss teaching, yeah. as you can tell. I cannot yeah. shut up. So it's you know, because <laughs> every time I learn something, I got to share it, right? Because I don't want anybody to be as dumb as I've been. Yeah. So that's the point. So how can people find you? Your Instagram. Is- um, you can uh, well, my you can email me. It's okay. cyn two. Uh, that's not true. It's cyn levin two at gmail dot com. <laughs> Sinlevin two at gmail dot com. Um, Instagram is uh, Cynthia Levin seven. Uh, Twitter is she seems nice because she does seem nice. <laughs> and um, Facebook is Cynthia dot Levin one. I think. Can you believe I remembered that shit? No. Shocking. What a whore. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. Well, you've been amazing. Thank you Thanks, for sharing Jerry. time Thanks. And coming here. I'm sure I answered nothing that you asked, but <laughs> I'm glad I got to do nothing. Thank you. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Oh, she's so funny. Mm-hmm. I love her. She's a delight to have on. I really enjoyed um, her energy because it was closer to mine, and that <laughs> makes it fun. Yeah. Also, uh, I don't know if I said this. I didn't say this in the intro, but like, she's honestly impacted my life o- overwhelmingly. Like, spending two years in her class, we did such concentrated, incredible work that was really transformative, and I am grateful to her for being who she is um and and honestly like changing my life and making it so much better that's great yeah Yeah. so i'm happy that we got to have her on here um as always please um subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts we love a five-star rating a review helps get the word out share it with 75 of your friends All of them. <laughs> not 76. We're not ready for that. No, yet. we're not but ready for that. Also not 74, you Too stingy little. person. It's <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. 75. Um. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Finding My Young Podcast. Also on Facebook at Finding My Young Podcast as well. We're always looking for a new guest. You can email us at FindingMyYum at gmail.com. Ooh. And I will say that a second time in case you guys missed it because I, we're not going to have a ton of emails. So <laughs> FindingMyYum at gmail.com. Shush, you got rid of the ruse. We get so <laughs> many emails. Uh, we are always looking for new guests and we'd love ideas of different topics. Um, we've got a lot of really cool stuff coming up, um, but we'd love to hear from you. So, yay!
Woohoo! Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Oh, she's so funny. Mm-hmm. I love her. She's a delight to have on. I really enjoyed um, her energy because it was closer to mine, and that <laughs> makes it fun. Yeah. Also, uh, I don't know if I said this. I didn't say this in the intro, but like, she's honestly impacted my life overwhelmingly like spending two years in her class we did such concentrated incredible work that was really transformative and I am grateful to her for being who she is um and and honestly like changing my life and making it so much better that's great yeah Yeah. so I'm happy that we got to have her on here um as always please um subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts we love a five-star rating a review helps get the word out share it with 75 of your friends all of them (laughs) not 76 we're not ready for that no we're not ready also not 74 you stingy person (laughs) that's 75 Um. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Finding My Young Podcast. Also on Facebook at Finding My Young Podcast as well. We're always looking for a new guest. You can email us at FindingMyYum at gmail.com. And I will say that a second time in case you guys missed it because I, we're not going to have a ton of emails. So <laughs> FindingMyYum at gmail.com. Shush, you got rid of the ruse we get so (laughs) many emails uh we are always looking for new guests and we'd love ideas of different topics um we've got a lot of really cool stuff coming up um but we'd love to hear from you so yay